Dreams in every country. Dreams, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA. Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. This is Tom Smiley at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory. Today's talk is by Lisa Hammer and Ada Curtis. Lisa is a horticulturalist and arborist, and Ada comes to us from a design background and is with Curtis and Rogers Design Studio. Today's talk is titled, Engineers to Arborists, the Evolution of a Sidewalk Repair Project. It was originally presented at the 2015 ISA International Conference in Orlando, Florida. Good afternoon. Can everybody hear me okay? Okay. Um, I'm Lisa Hammer. I'm a horticultural consultant from Miami, Florida. It's about 250 miles south of here, for those of you who may not be from around these parts. I'm here with Aida Curtis today, my colleague from Miami also, landscape architect. She and I have known each other a long time, worked together on a lot of projects. Um, another member of our team couldn't be here today, Mr. James Urban out of Annapolis, Maryland. He assisted us on this project as well. So we're here today to talk to you about an interesting uh, sidewalk repair project in Coconut Grove, Florida. Um, Coconut Grove is located on Biscayne Bay and just south of downtown Miami. You can see it here on the uh, upper left-hand side in the circle. And notice the, the green tree cover in that area compared to the rest of the city of Miami. Coconut Grove is known for its tree cover. Uh, it's known for its bohemian, laid-back lifestyle, and people come to Coconut Grove to stroll the streets, dine on outdoor cafes, shop, and um, just take part in the general atmosphere of Coconut Grove. A lot of tree-lined streets and so forth and so on. It was the home of Dr. David Fairchild, by the way, for whom Fairchild Tropical Botanical Garden was named. So it's full of tree lovers, always has been, and still is. Um, the business sector, in the year 2010, the merchants and the city of Miami were interested in doing a sidewalk repair project. The sidewalks were lifting and raising, um, breaking, much of it was due to tree roots. So they put out an RFP to engineering firms for sidewalk repair. The original scope of work that came through was to cut off all those pesky tree roots, pull up the bricks, pour concrete, and put the bricks back down on top of the concrete. Fortunately, the engineer realized that in Coconut Grove especially, that this was not going to be a feasible option, that the trees would be at risk. So he subcontracted Aida and her firm um, as landscape architects to go through and take a look at the trees and make some other recommendations as to what to do about it. Aida had enough foresight to contact me to do an evaluation of the existing tree conditions, and together we worked as a team to come up with a better idea of how to address the trees and the tree root issues and get new sidewalks that were safe and attractive for everyone. Thus began the evolution of a tree of a sidewalk repair project started five years ago 
we are currently at about 50% completion. Thank you, Lisa. Um, so as, as Lisa stated, um, we, um, we started the, this sidewalk replacement project and the initial goals given to us by the city were to, um, to really look at the hardscape and in fact solve the problem that they were having with the bricks. Um, and by that point, we knew that the, the citizens and the people of Coconut Grove um, were very passionate about their rich canopy. So we knew that this was very important to them. And so we had to take a look at that. We had to look at the, the what was happening, why were the roots doing that, of course, and then analyze. And I thought that we needed to analyze the condition of the trees because personally, to me, some of them did not look aesthetically as good as they could. So I, I knew we needed to do go through this process. And ultimately what they wanted was for us to give recommendations and say, okay, this is what needs to be done to solve the problem. So um, the initial streets that we were done, and if you looked at the initial map that Lisa pointed out, these are some of the, um, the streets within the business district. Um, the, uh, the streets that we were going to do were um, the main business district was uh, Grand Avenue, then we have Main Highway, um, McFarland, Commodore Fuller, Virginia and Mary were two streets, and Florida was another of the streets that were done. And all of the streets are full of uh, commercial activity and um, a lot of outdoor restaurants and a lot of people who walk through the neighborhood. The process that we came up with was, first of all, we wanted to evaluate the existing conditions. What is there? What's happening? We wanted to look at, at the paving, what was happening with the paving, what was, uh, was there anything that was wrong with the paving, what could be done for that. We wanted to look at what, what the planting conditions were, how were the trees planted, um, and what the actual conditions were. We wanted to then come up with a, a landscape design that in fact would retain the trees that were there, um, and then fill in the voids where there were voids. Um, but initially we did not contemplate on any removals or replacements, again, because the people were passionate about that. We wanted to, Lisa to do the evaluation and to be very informed prior to presenting to the public, which was part of the component being that it was a public job. Once we sought all the public input, then we prepared the construction documents, we went through the permitting process, and ultimately the construction. We are now at the process that we need to develop a maintenance plan for those streets that have been completed. And so what we're gonna go through with you is, is how we went through the evaluations and where we are now, and essentially our lessons learned from projects like this. To begin with, the sidewalks were, um, were in, in great disrepair. There were, we had, lifting, we have a settlement of the, of the brick pavers, we had, um, there were tripping hazards, there were broken pavers at driveways, broken pavers everywhere. In fact, the city was having lawsuits as a result of this because there's a lot of people walking and they were tripping. Um, we had conditions where there were portions of the sidewalk where there was no ADA compliance. The slopes were too large. Over time, they had been building up and building up the, the area, and so they were no longer compliant with ADA issues. We had uh, tree space situations where you can see that the, that the planted areas where the trees were were, were uneven. Um, they were undefined at best. They were, um, they essentially, in some cases, they were, the trees were planted just against the curb. They were root bound, they were, had curbs. The curbs were, were broken in some other spaces. We had fences, people had put fences, people had added uh, landscaping to the fences. We had other conditions that we had 
tree grades probably that had been there for a long time. Again, curbs raised planters in some of the cases. So bottom line, what we found out from, from a purely visual condition, from a purely um, uh, visual aesthetic condition and, and, and looking at the bricks was that we had a situation where the bricks were clearly unsettling, they were clearly having a problem, and we had a situation where we had a variety of planting conditions. There was nothing uniform about it, there wasn't, and all of them seemed to have one degree of, of problem or not. Um, in fact, we also found in some cases that where trees had died, the city had, and had gone and cut them, and in a lot of the cases, they were, they were left empty, as you see in the picture on the right-hand side, and in other cases, they had come back and planted a small tree, as it was typical in that time frame, just to put a tree where the old tree used to be and just put a tree that fits the hole that was there. So this was the pattern that we observed. Um, we took a closer look. This is a very revealing picture because in fact we, we looked down and you could see where the bricks were in fact cracking and unsettling. And we could see that in fact what it, we detected was a pattern of, of a tree root going and the tree extending the root systems throughout. So this is kind of a very telling picture. And it was also important to note that at this point, by this point, the three of us were engaged, Lisa, myself and Jim Urban. The engineer was also with us, but we were actually trying to um, understand what was the problems and what were the issues with the problems. Um, one interesting note about that last slide you saw with the root issues. An interesting fact I learned from Jim Urban was he said that if, uh, if a brick is raised to the height of two quarters, that that's enough to consider it a tripping hazard. So I thought that was a pretty interesting fact that I've been using since then. So, my um, primary objective was to evaluate existing tree conditions. So, we had a tree survey done. I located all the trees on the tree survey by number. I, I obtained all the species information, common name, scientific name. I obtained all the size data, diameter at breast height, height, spread. And then I looked at um, general condition of the trees. I evaluated both health and structure of the trees and tried to come up with a recommendation for treatment be it none for good quality trees, um, any kind of fertilization or pest control that might have been needed, possibly some root pruning for the sidewalk project, or in the worst case scenario, removals. So these are a couple of the better quality trees that I found. The one on the left is a black olive. This is not a native tree, but it is a common street tree in, in the Miami area. Um, other than dropping a lot of leaves, they tend to be pretty good quality trees, and that was a good example. The gumbo limbo tree on the left, that's probably one of the better trees in the entire project. It's a native tree there, growing in a really small space, but doing very, very well otherwise. In terms of tree health, a lot of the older trees were stressed and in decline, largely due to root problems, either previous sidewalk repairs, new construction adjacent to the trees, who knows what, these, you know, this, these are old streets, they've been here a long time. But the oak, live oak, double live oak on the left, you can see, is very sparse, needless to say, not generally in good health. Same with the black olive on the right. Uh, it had been through some stress as well, has some dieback in the crown. So these were, these were a couple that I did recommend for removal. Keep in mind, too, that with a project of this scope, I was trying to look ahead at the tree needs and the sidewalk needs, because a project of this scope is not going to be undertaken again anytime soon. So if these trees 
looked as if they weren't going to make it another five years or ten years or I didn't have a set time frame but I was trying to look ahead at should we do this now or should we just leave them and let them die later on and then they're going to stick a little tree back in that same spot again so I was trying to look ahead in these evaluations with my recommendations uh, we had a lot of tree structural issues uh, back in 2010 and 11 when I did these evaluations, it was before the tree risk assessment qualification program came around. We were still calling them hazardous trees. In fact, our city code still references hazardous trees. So I would look to see if they were hazardous or not. Um, this is an old live oak. This is the same one with the fence around it you saw earlier. Has had a lot of damage to the trunk, to the crown, to the main leaders. Here's another a mahogany tree that's had a rip out from included bark, also hazardous condition. Uh, another black olive that has some wounds and, and trunk cavities in it. Uh, so I made some recommendations for tree removals, which didn't go over very well with the public. Um, <laughs> I sustained a fair amount of abuse for recommending tree, uh, tree removals uh, from the general public, uh, the bloggers. There were, there were some committees and so forth that went on about it. And uh, as a result, the city requested a second opinion on a few of the trees for which I had recommended removal. Uh, another local consulting arborist, Jeff Shimonsky, was called in. He has a resistograph. He did some um, decay detection studies. And generally, I think on all the ones he did, he was in agreement with my findings. So we went ahead with that. So after determining which trees were going to remain, which ones were going to be removed, then Aida steps in again and talks about the paving solutions. Obviously, at this point, you know, we're going, we've done our analysis of what's happening. People wanted to know, and the city and our client wanted to know, okay, what's the problem? Why are we having these issues? First of all, what we found out was that, in fact, the existing pavers, which everybody treasured, and everybody really wanted to keep that exact same look. Nobody wants to change Coconut Grove. Everybody wants it to maintain and to be the same that it has always been. So what we found out is that those existing bricks were really too thin for the amount of sand that they had. So the sand base was too thick, so in fact that caused them to be, you know, wobbly. So that, in addition to the tree growth, was creating a lot of the problems that we saw. So the, the answers were, okay, so what do we do? We need to put them on concrete. Obviously that was going to compromise the health of the trees, but that was a solution that, that came up with it. Um, do we do we forget about bricks? We're always going to have trouble with bricks. People are going to be tripped. Why don't we just pour, do a nice poured-in-place concrete uh, solution? Well, that was also not acceptable to us because at this point we knew that we had a lot of trees that were significant and then there were trees that were struggling because they were seeking for more air and for water. So, And then the ultimate option that we picked, which was option two, was let's replace the brick with the same looking brick but actually thicker on a thinner sand base, which is normally what you see now in constructions here in Florida. In fact, that balance then creates a more stable situation. But then the decisions that came is like, okay, well, what are we gonna do with the trees that are growing and the trees that are there right now? So we looked at possibilities and we said, well, maybe what we need to do is we need to expand their growing space because that's part of what's happening. And so we looked at expanding the spaces. You saw some of the spaces earlier that were very, very thin and very, you know, so we came up with the idea of expanding them probably by about, in some cases, 10, 12, 15 feet just to make the area larger um, for the tree to, for particularly its base of the roots to have the room to grow. So we came up with the idea of enlarged tree spaces. 
And then we came up, and this was kind of one of examples that we were showing to the people, said, you know, this is what you have, we're now gonna make it larger, and of course there's always the issue of what is that surface going to be? Well, ideally it's a pervious surface that it's ADA accessible, which is what we came up with. And then we said, well, what's gonna happen to new trees? We don't want this problem happening again. So, and this was a point where um, we were talking with Jim Ehrman, and Jim um, got us turned into the modular tree cell system, which is a system that we used in this particular project as the Silva cell system with deep roots. And essentially what it does is a system of crates that in fact are placed in the ground prior to the tree being planted. And what they provide is they provide a large area underneath the sidewalk, underneath the stable paving, that is uncompacted soils that have a lot of air and water to go through them. So that provides the tree with those nutrients that it needs without the tree having to seek that for themselves and go up and find it in the surficial root system. So this was, a, of course, a great idea. And we came up with this idea for the new tree plantings. We still had to work with the city because initially, as you can imagine, the budget went from a simple replacement project. You're not going to cut any trees. You're just going to cut the roots and put the, the, the concrete to now we're doing these systems. And so that was all worked out in terms of the impact to the budget. So the next phase was selecting species for the new tree plantings. Uh, the requirements were trees that would provide shade for the sidewalks, preferably nothing too messy to mess up the sidewalks and the sidewalk cafes and drop things on the tables and so forth. We met with a group, we had some volunteers that, that met with us, a couple of local arborists met with us and volunteered their, their advice. Bob Brennan and Jeff Shimonsky again both volunteered and helped us out with this project. And together we came up with a palette of tree species that we would recommend. Then we wanted to get the largest possible available sizes. Whatever we could, the largest trees we could find in, in the nurseries that would fit in the planting spaces was what we were after. Uh, we also decided that they should be locally grown so that they would be adapted to our soil conditions. We have very unusual and difficult soils in our area, alkaline limestone soils. So we wanted something that was grown locally so it would be adapted to those soil conditions. So those were the requirements. Locally grown, as large as possible, and a species alpha that's palette that everyone agreed upon would be attractive, particularly during the winter months, which is our tourist season, and not too messy. So we came up with that plant palette and proceeded to look for those trees. So once we had the solutions, we had tree palettes, we had a possibility of what we could do, we went out to the public. We met, we met with residents, we met with groups of residents, we met with all of the merchants, all of the owners of the streets, everybody was concerned. Their business, this is the time when businesses are declining, we're not having a good economy, people did not want their sidewalks to be closed up, people wanted their businesses to be maintained, their businesses to thrive. They wanted the problem solved, but they didn't want to be impacted by any of the construction. We had, uh, as, as, a, you know, as it being a public project, we had review boards, we had an urban design review board, we had a historic preservation review board, which really in the city of Miami is charged with making the decision of whether a tree should be removed or not be removed. And you can imagine that the people were passionate about their trees. They envisioned that 12-foot tree, that 10-foot skinny tree coming back. They imagined their canopy gone and these little trees being put into. And at, at first it was our, no, we're trying to do the best we can. Well, you know, it's a matter of trust. 
if you, when you first come to meet them, you know, it's like, no, you're gonna do the same as others. We had a lot of public presentations. We had hand-holding during construction. We had bloggers, we had feedback. We met with people individually, collectively, in many different ways, and I, we cannot stress the importance of this. And then we began construction. Okay, so we selected Florida Avenue to begin with because it's the, one of the smaller streets. It's one of the less heavily used streets. Uh, it had fewer problems than some of the other streets, and we started construction. One of the things in the construction documents were that we spec'd was that the existing tree pits would be cleaned using an air spade to expose the roots, correct any circling roots or any problems we found with the roots when we found them, prune, selectively prune roots that needed to be pruned. One thing we found with the air spade was it was messy and it was noisy. And the it called for putting battens up and so forth, and the crew ended up putting ground cloth over the top of it to keep the dirt down and everything. It was very noisy, very dirty, uh, mud running down the streets. On one big oak tree, we did find some very large roots. This is on that area where the, the sidewalk we showed earlier was sloped over the roots. This is why it was sloped, because we found these very, very large roots. The engineers came in and said, we gotta cut those. We can't keep those, we need a flat sidewalk. I said, absolutely not. There is no way you're cutting those roots off of that tree. It's gonna die, it's gonna fall over, it's not gonna work. You see my trowel on the side, you know how big those roots are. So with a little bit of cooperation and education, they came around, they built the form for the concrete edging by going over those tree roots and not cutting them off, and then went ahead and made a nice even slope that's ADA compatible that went over that root, those roots. So it can be done. So following up on the air spade issue, by the time we moved to the next streets, um, there was a different GC, which is another aspect of the project, as every street got contracted separately, so we had different GCs um, and different landscape contractors on it. But the GC on the following job knew a guy, this is Miami, everybody's got a guy. He knew a guy with a vacuum truck. And hooked up to this vacuum truck, he put some uh, water nozzles onto the bottom of the vacuum truck. So what we could do is actually use that vacuum truck with the water to hose down the soil around the roots and suck it out all at the same time. So there was some noise involved with this, not as much probably as the air spade, but it was a bit noisy, but way, way cleaner and much more efficient. It was a much better job. Um, Aida talked about the planter enlargement. This is one of the planters that had the raised planter around it. So we cleaned the roots out around it using the vac truck. We raised the, the planters a little bit higher to make them less of a tripping hazard, more attractive. Filled them with good planting soil, you know, cut off any circling roots and whatnot and then ended up facing them with the same bricks that went on the, on the sidewalk down below. So it came out much better looking and also better for the trees. We enlarged it um, by about 10 feet. I, generally we would go like eight, 10 feet at a minimum. So we would go five feet on either direction. Uh, in some cases we would go longer for it. And, and what we found out was that over time people just kind of kept on putting dirt over the tree because I think they wanted to plant little flowers or something, so they kept on putting dirt. So by the time we got here, we almost, the, through the vacuum truck also, we ended up going back to the original flare of the tree and in we fact tried. lowering. We, did, we, we couldn't tried. make it on all the trees, but we tried to take it back down. Well, the next picture that we're showing is we're showing a, uh, the installation of the silva cells. And originally we, um, we started with a, with a typical installation which is seen throughout the country, which is the two cell deep 
uh, installation, which is approximately about 49 inches deep. Of, and you can see the picture, one of the pictures where we have 49 inches. And what we found out after Florida Avenue was that that in fact was excessive for our conditions in Florida because we really have very shallow soils in South Florida. So our tropical trees tend to just have the shallow uh, soil layer, the shallow roots. So we, for the next level of the project, the next stages of the projects, we ended up going with a one layer system, which what it did was it cut the cost for construction and it sped up the construction ability so that we have one layer system. It's still as expansive as it was before, but just shallower. And that, in fact, is only about 30 inches deep. So that's what we um, are, that's the one that we did for Commodore. Um, we'll share those pictures. Um, we then did the uh, field tagging. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Uh, we went out into the fields with the contractors. Um, Carmen Mendez is here from Southern Blossoms. David Bryan is here from Tropical Falls. Both have been great contractors on different phases of this project. Both of them searched far and wide to find the biggest and the best trees in Dade County that they could. Once they located some good tree farms and some good locations, I went out and met with them. Aida went out on some occasions as well. We went out and individually tagged those trees and measured those trees. We came back with live oaks and other flowering and some other trees, flowering trees and whatnot. Most of them were a minimum of seven inches DBH and 22 feet in height, something like that. Um, they didn't all exactly match because we couldn't find matching trees that size, but we came back with the best quality trees of the largest size that we could find in the field. One of the other criteria that was important is because these are sidewalks and we have peoples and cafes, it was important that the clearance was there also for people to walk through. So there were, we, we were looking for a lot of things and we knew that we were, we were really under going to be scrutinized because, again, yeah. we were trying to prove to the citizens that we were not only not putting in the 12-foot tree, but we were yeah. putting really the best that we could okay. find. Matching wasn't necessarily yeah. a criteria that we were looking for. The trees that were existing on the street are, were not yeah. matching to begin with. We were just looking for a large, good tree. Okay. Here we are out in the field selecting trees. There's Carmen over there on the right with Tony, her broker. You can see the trees 23 feet in height, 7 inches in DBH, choosing some live oaks. Uh, here's David Bryan bringing in one of his oak trees on Commodore Plaza. Again, another huge oak tree, uh, very good quality for what we have available. Then we go into some unforeseen conditions, and there were a lot. This is an old city, and there are a lot of problems and a lot of things that we didn't expect. Um, one, this is one example of the two trees shown on the left. The tree on the left there was going to be removed. It had some structural issues. The mahogany tree on the right was going to remain. Well, the restaurant owner there decided he would like to have a valet park parking area there, and could that tree be removed as well? We didn't want to. The public didn't want us to, but the city said you could. But the public said, relocate that tree. Reluctantly, we said, okay, we'll relocate this tree. We didn't think it was worth it. We wrangled that tree out of the ground. It did not come out easy. It had much larger roots than we expected. It got beat up in the process. We couldn't help it. We were working with build between buildings, between trees, under bridges. We loaded it up, we moved it to a nearby park. There you see it on the right. Not a very attractive tree, really out of place. Ultimately, it didn't make it, it had to be removed. So it was something I, I would not recommend doing that again in, in the future. Okay, so moving ahead, there, here was another unforeseen. Here was a tree that we kept. It wasn't a perfect tree, but we kept it anyway, it was good enough. But there were a couple other trees, two or three trees by it that we did remove and started to install the silver cells. But then when we dug for the silver cells and came awfully close to this tree, we suddenly realized we exposed the roots. They didn't, 
it only had restricted roots in that planter in which it had been growing. So we felt like this tree was at risk of toppling and decided it was best to remove this one at this time. And some of the old wounds, fortunately I had photos from 2011 and this was 2014 that showed it had been damaged then and that it had worsened. So we went ahead and removed this one and put all new trees in that location. Um, some flooding, some storm drains that were clogged up that nobody knew about until now. Heavy rain and it started flooding all over the sidewalks. We had to keep the sidewalks open. Um, we had thought we would do a, you know, a big section of sidewalk at the time, but we had to go block by block to keep the stores open. We had to keep the sidewalks half open at all times so that people could go by and get in access to the shops. Um, and the ADA grading issues Aida talked about earlier. Um, lots of unknown utilities, lots of things there we didn't expect. Um, the merchants, once they had their sidewalk cafes rearranged, then we had to rearrange some things so they could get their tables to fit and so forth. Um, construction staging, the trees down on the bottom right, little oak trees there, were doing beautifully and suddenly they were browning out and turning yellow. We didn't know what was going on. We thought maybe that stormwater had something to do with it. Turns out they were resurfacing the street and they were parking their asphalt equipment next to these trees. So they suffered heat exposure. So going forward, Aida. Well, going forward, we have more phases to do. We have completed Florida. We have completed uh, May, Virginia and Mary, which were short streets. Commodore, which was probably one of the most contentions, I would say, because there's a lot more merchants there. Um, we have finished designing Main Highway. We have, um, interestingly enough, there's drainage issues on Main Highway. So right now the project is stalled and it's, you know, being discussion. And, and there are discussions between the county who owns the road and the city who is doing the improvements. Um, that's probably a good situation to bring up that the silver cells could in fact help for all of this. But you know, that's where we are at the moment. We are starting design right now on um, Grand Avenue and McFarland, and we will finish with, um, with uh, Fuller is a very small street but it's a street that has a lot of a lot of problems probably it's one that really should be completely redone um, what we've learned is certainly we need to have a lot of flexibility uh, we need to work with people there's a lot of people who were involved in this process um, we had people that came out of the woodwork when we were cutting trees um, we, many times, we, Lisa and I, conferred to each other, we needed to stand our ground, we needed to continue and pushing for what we believed, what we knew was best at that point in time. And, and that doesn't mean being inflexible, it just means, you know, compromising and allowing yourself to compromise but standing your ground. Um, the involvement of professionals is critical throughout the process. Interestingly enough, when we, when we started the construction of Florida Avenue, um, Lisa was retained to follow up on construction by the contractor, not by the city, and, but I was not retained. So I couldn't be on site at all times. And um, I needed her. And, and Lisa <laughs> needed me to kind of, you know, back up and what can we do and to find solutions because I really was the bridge between the engineers who were on site doing things and, and, and Lisa and preserving the trees. I could bridge that gap. Um, I think there's, we, we, are, we are grateful 
that we have been working with the city of Miami. We are grateful that the city of Miami had the, the insight to recognize the importance of the tree canopy in Coconut Grove. We are grateful that they recognized that this uh, went from just a simple replace the bricks to a larger project, that they were able to find the funding to do the improvements needed, that they recognize that this is important. Um, but there's still more education to be done. Um, with municipalities, with other municipalities, to get them to understand that that it's not as simple as it as it looks. That there's a lot of a lot of issues that need to be considered, and that there's a lot of research. And a lot of the times, we don't find out about these things until you put the shovel to the ground. Um, and finally, I think we we ultimately we need to come up with a maintenance program for these to. Yes, absolutely. We need to come up with a maintenance plan. And I think, from my standpoint, the main take-home message here is that as arborists, as any professionals, we need to look to other professionals and work together. We can't do it all ourselves. We need to work together and, and work on each other's, with each other's strengths and weaknesses and cooperate with each other. I, a lot of times in our industry, I see a lot of finger pointing. Well, I can't do this because they didn't do that and they're specking the wrong trees and they're growing the wrong trees and you know this, that, and the other. But if we all get together, I think that one big root example I showed you where I talk to the engineers educate and educate and then cooperate. You know, you, you might get resistance at first, but if you stand your ground as a professional and you educate the other people as to why we need to do these things the way we do them, in the end, hopefully people will come around and we can be all, all be successful. I think we want to leave you with some of the after, shot, after pictures right now that we have. Um, these are some of the pictures of the streets that you saw. You saw during construction. Um, the first picture is of, of at the corner of Commodore and, and Main Highway. It's a, it's a cafe. Um, they, they love the work. In fact, they are one of our biggest advocates. They did not have any downtime. Their clientele ate there all the time through construction and everything. So I think that was really wonderful for us to see that. Um, we have the situation in Florida where there was uh, those trees are new trees. And so, I mean, people now are, are, are our strongest advocates because they know that they believe in us, that we are not going to put the little tree. We are going to make sure that that tree is big. We are all with the same goal of preserving the canopy, but making the streets safe. Um, we have the planters on the bottom. We have other trees, some trees that we kept, and, and those are some existing trees on the top corner. So I think we have. This concludes Lisa Hammer and Ada Curtis's talk on the evolution of a sidewalk repair project. To learn more about consulting arborists working with project engineers, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store, including Trees and Development, a technical guide to preserving trees during land development. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this lecture, please visit the ISA online store and select Online CEU Quizzes. Thank you for listening to this episode, which was brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country. Trees, you know we can. Work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. 
crime with the ISA. 